This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, a little bit scrambling to kick off the program here. Just got to the studio. Matt Marchese along with me. You may just have to bail out the show today. <laughs> so I spent the whole morning with Elliot. So I have PTSD, although he's going to be joining us here in a little bit more for some... A little some too more, much, Elliot. Some pain. Some more pain from Elliot. Uh, no, sat down with Ryan McDonough for an interview for the podcast. Uh, defenseman for the Nashville Predators. Uh, shot blocker extraordinaire. Took another one yesterday. I'm not sure if you watched that Ottawa game. That was an interesting game, too. Castellic and Janot. Ooh. Yeah, you're a big fan. I know, I know how much of a fan you are of Tanner Janot, and as you should be. Uh, there are fitness records in the West that still exist uh, that he set years ago. But, and again, like last night, Ryan McDonough in that game, and they, you know, they shut out the Ottawa Senators. UC Saros first shut out of the season. I want to talk about him in a little bit here in a second. But again, like when I think of, when I think of Ryan McDonough, the one visual that flashes to mind right away is him skating slowly to the bench, grimacing. Mm-hmm. How many times have you seen Ryan McDonough skate to the bench, grimacing? Well, since his career in the NHL started. Started with the Rangers. <laughs> Pretty much, right? Like, yeah. that's one guy that you can absolutely count on to block uh, a billion shots a year. And that that is, I think what people, when they watch the game, they don't understand how much of an art it is, too. Because yeah. it's not easy. Because you're trying to do it while also, I mean, this is going to sound ridiculous. You're trying to do it so that you don't get hurt. But there is an art to that. <clears throat> you know, we talked to him about the art of um, when, it, when it comes to blocking shots. Also, not getting in the goalie's way. Not mm-hmm. just being a screen. Yeah. Like, you're right. There is a real art to it. And we've seen sloppy shot blockers. They'll either get injured or they'll get yelled at by their goaltenders. Or they'll be Blake Wheeler. Or they'll be Blake Wheeler. <laughs> but the thing about McDonough, like, he's played in front of like, think about it. Ryan McDonough's career, he's played in front of Henrik Lundqvist, yep. Andre Vasilevsky, and now UC Saros. Pretty good. You've never heard a peep about goalies complaining about him yet. He knows when it's time to close that lane and get in front. Because a lot of these guys would be like, look, just give me the shot, just give me the shot, just give me the shot. And he puts up, you know, however many shot blocks every, every single season and never a peep from the goalies. Yeah. Because he's never like, oh, sorry, I missed it. Well, you screened me. Thanks. McDonough may be the best at it. Anyway, um, we're going to play some of that, I think, on tomorrow's show. Yeah, we should be able to. Okay. Uh, coming up on today's program, you've put together a nice one here. Like some, de- Okay, little <laughs> inside baseball here, and I'll, I'll do this right in front of you. Sometimes there are days where I know I really have to work at this show. Today is not one of those days. I, yeah, there are some days where I have to work on this show too. <laughs> and today was not one of those days. And I know Lance is going to say something behind the glass saying, yeah, I know. that's every day. Yeah, that's every day. Yeah, no, this one was, uh, this one kind of fell into my lap a little bit. This is a great looking show. Once we get rid of all the nonsense with Elliot, we get to Kevin Adams, <laughs> Buffalo Sabres general manager. That's awesome. Tough one last night against the Philadelphia Flyers. But they're fun, man. They're, Dude, they're totally fun and they're making it interesting. Like Nashville's making it interesting in the West. Like they win that yeah. game yesterday. They're on a roll right now. They have games in hand over the Alberta teams and like the play playoffs are within sight better than like last year they're controlling it um and the buffalo sabers are kind of in that position too like they could really make this a race um so we'll talk to kevin adams about that at the bottom of the hour also ron francis oh that one this nice one's been a long time coming man how long this one take you to pull off uh me and ben guerrero uh pr aficionado with He's the seattle crack and have been going back and forth for mm-hmm. like a week and a half now it's because he was at the world juniors right so he was or did he or did he just refuse to come on until shane wright was done in the ohl i mean there is that possibility as well 
Um, but at least he has an answer now. At least he can speak with some authority about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. But it, it's, yeah, some of these shows just, they do fall into that. But I did want to, before we get to Elliot, the whole Buffalo thing. Yeah. They've got the star forward. Yeah. They've got the star defenseman. Mm-hmm. They, they still need a goalie. Do they? But Yeah, I think they still need a goalie. Do they? I, I do believe Lukanen that looks that's good. good man. Well, because just got they're, not training for, they're not training. They're not doing anything with their goaltending this year. We know that. I don't it's think they're going to do anything with their goaltending next year. They might not. I think Lukanen's going to be the... I think it'll be Lukanen. Um, like, eventually, Lukanen's going to be the guy. He'll probably... There'll be a battery next year between him and Comrie. And yeah. Devin Levi waits in the wings, and Eric Portillo will be somewhere else. What yeah. am I missing? I... I Okay, so here's why I think they need a goalie. I don't think their defense is good enough. Well, then they need a defenseman. So they well, they definitely need a defenseman because <laughs> I think they still need somebody to play with Owen Power. I think that's because man, they got Rasmus Dahlin, they got yeah, Owen he's good. Power, they got Matias Samuelson. They got I still a ton think they need a forward. I think they need a veteran defenseman. Uh, I don't disagree with you on that. And it's like, I mean, that's why a Ryan McDonough type would be ideal. That's why I think it makes a lot of sense for Jacob Chikrin. Someone, sure. Someone like that. Yeah. Uh, all this great stuff to get into with Kevin Adams at the bottom of the hour. I have to catch myself too, because it's, it'll be really easy considering how I get attached to something or a topic or a team. And then I can't stop talking about you? them. Never Jeffrey. This, this year it's, it's never happened. It's the Buffalo Sabres. So, I get it though. That you, know. you go, you go a long way back with the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, but it's no excuse to be a bad broadcaster, <laughs> but uh, that's what I deal with on a, uh, on a daily basis. So nice show you've put together here. Also the random player of the day is coming up and I love this one. Yes, you do. This one is a... a, a and we've got really good ones it. coming down the hopper. We do, eh? Yeah. Our listeners are great. Okay. I'm not uh, trying I'm not trying to, you know, wax poetic about our listeners, but they're mm-hmm. good. They they know they know what you like. How about that? So it's a lot of WHA to obscure junior hockey players? There's some. All right. I think we got one for a guy named Bruce Shoebottom who... Oh, my God. You know, so you know who Bruce Shoebottom <laughs> yeah, is best knew, friends with? I knew this was Brad Pascal, assistant general manager. Really? Assistant, they played in the minors together, assistant general manager of the Calgary Flames. See, there you go. She Jeff was knows awesome. everything. He was tough, too. Okay, so there's a little... T- Bruce Shoebottom, eh? <laughs> Put good. that one in there. I can get good stories on Bruce Shoebottom. <laughs> All right, so big show coming up. Kevin Adams, bottom of the hour, Ron Francis, and hour two. In the meantime, we default uh, to our regularly scheduled guest at this time. He is Elliot Friedman of 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. And uh, I've already spent a lot of time with you today, Elliot. So, uh, yeah. And and I know as much as you love to spend time with me, um, you know, you're my work spouse, as my my wife likes to say. Um, I want to start the conversation today by talking about the guy that we just spoke to, and that's Ryan McDonough. Now, Nashville's on a nice little roll here. There's games in hand on the Alberta teams. Edmonton is not helping themselves. We'll get to that. They get doubled up by the Kings. And Nashville's kind of holding some cards here. Um, and right in the middle of all of this, certainly Roman Yossi and UC Saros, et cetera, Philip Forsberg scores again. Ryan McDonough, who's been already a really important piece of that Nashville Predators roster. He doesn't do interviews very often, was generous with his time. Your thoughts on, on Ryan McDonough. We'll hear him on the podcast, see him on the show, and we'll play part of it on tomorrow's show here. Your thoughts on Ryan McDonough. Well, I, I think he's uh, a really tremendous player. I've always been a big fan. Uh, doesn't say a lot. Sort of like the old, uh, uh, you know, walk softly, carries a big stick. Yeah. Theodore Roosevelt kind of guy, right? Yep. Um, doesn't say much, but does the job and walks the walk. Um, you know, all you have to do is look at the record, Predators with him in the lineup and, and Predators with him out. And, you know, one of the things, too, at the beginning of the season, he started with Eckholm. And then they split up all their lefty, mm-hmm. and he was kind of the third-pair guy. 
And, uh, you know, it, it didn't really make sense for him, but now they've found, you know, he got hurt too, but now they've found a bit of a balance and they've, they've got going. I, I just think he's, um, you know, I, I just think he's one of those players that, um, you know, what he does is he brings, like when, when you ask other people about him, they just talk about the, there's a corridor in Tampa where you go into the dressing room and there's a, there's a, I don't know, I guess it's a portrait or a, a picture of yeah. McDonough in there. And it's him going down to block a shot. And like, basically they said, that's the perfect way to remember Ryan McDonough is uh, that's what he does. And, you know, he's one of those guys. He was the captain of the Rangers. He's an assistant captain in Tampa and he wouldn't ask you to do anything he wouldn't do himself. So yeah. that's, uh, that's leadership. You know, speaking of blocking shots, I thought one of the interesting parts of the interview, I was just talking to Maddie about this. We've seen a lot of, just to be blunt, Elliot, we've seen a lot of bad shot blockers. Guys that'll just try to dive in front of pucks, and instead of stopping the puck, they'll just provide a screen for the other team, and the goaltenders will throw their hands up in the air. We talked a little bit about him with, with about this with him this morning. Like, there's a real art to how he does it because I don't ever, I don't, I can't recall ever see a goaltender sort of, you know, look to look to the skies or throw his hands up in the air after Ryan McDonough tries to to block a shot. Some goalies just want to see the shot. Just give me a clear lane. Just let me see it. I can handle it. Uh, I've never seen a goaltender, Lundqvist, Vasilevsky, Saros, whomever, complain about Ryan McDonough getting in front of one. Well, I think the other thing too, Jeff, is that we're also seeing. Um... Well, first of all, he's a really cerebral player. It's it's pretty clear that he knew what his goaltenders wanted in terms of where to be and, and when to block. But I think the other thing, too, we're seeing now is, you know, Chris Tanev is a really good shot blocker. He got hurt pretty bad this year. Yep. McDonough is a really good shot blocker. He got hurt really badly this year. Like, really frightening, gruesome-looking yep. injuries. And, um, you know, I, I think it just goes to show you the the peril of what they do they're two of the best at it and they've been injured so uh, just really badly because of how well guys shoot the puck now mm-hmm. and uh that's the thing that i do wonder if we'll ever get to an age where you know they, you know, they say okay we don't want guys doing this as much but as mm-hmm. he said in the interview mm-hmm. as he said in the interview you got to do those things to win that's it. I mean, the one thing that I wonder about, and we've talked about it before, is, you know, uh, at what point do we start looking at the protection that everybody wears? And I know guys want to be really comfortable and have it as sleek as possible, but if you're acting like a second goaltender minus the equipment, maybe time to beef it up more than just putting shot blockers uh, on your feet. Um, real quick thought on, on Nashville before you move along. So I want to get to Edmonton and what happened last night and the LA Kings double them up, big game again for Fiala. Um... Nashville last night, and they're on a roll, and UC Saros with the shutout, first one of this season. Janot and Kastelik have an absolute doozy uh, of a scrap. What do you make with Nashville right now? Like I, I mentioned, they're kind of controlling their fate with the games in hand. Uh, Calgary and Edmonton have taken uh, an inexplicable step backwards, uh, considering where we thought they would be. Just give us a general thought on where you see the Preds right now. Well, I was really worried about them a couple months ago. There's no question about it. He said they were finding ways to lose games, McDonough did. But you're right, they've they've climbed into the race. And, uh, you know, they play Toronto tomorrow, and then they play Montreal back-to-back. Yeah. Then they go home, and they've got, I think they've got a, a huge game against Calgary next Monday. 
that was that was going to be one to circle on the calendar. I think the thing is, is first of all, he's healthy. I think he makes a very big impact. And secondly, I, I just think that the Predators have kind of gone back a little bit to their identity. They were like a, a greasy, grinding team last year. And I think they, they got away from that, and they're getting back there. I think the other thing, though, is that, you know, they didn't. They have to find a second-line center. And they're starting to get at least some players who are uh, giving them a bit of center depth there. And, it's like, I was talking to Willie Donick, who's uh, one of their play-by-play guys who's on the trip. Yep. And we were talking about earlier this year, Michael Granlin had to play some center. And it's just not where he's had his best. And I, I think the the thing about uh, putting guys in this uh, the thing about players in this league is you have to put them in a positions where they can succeed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that Nashville had some guys out of their regular roles; they were out of their identity. Sorrow started the season on on the money puck list of goals saved above expected. He was one of the worst goalies in the league in the first month of the season. Now I think he's back up around top five. So we all know if you're not getting saves, you're not going to win. He's back going. Some of their other guys are going. I think now if they can get Shane going, that's a, that's a big one for them. You know what I've come to realize in the past couple of years? We look at players that are influential. Okay, so a lot of younger kids will gravitate towards, you know, Sidney Crosby or Victor Hedman. Now everybody, Connor Bedard. Oh, and by the way, there is a new phenomenon in minor slash youth hockey and since the World Junior Tournament, I'm seeing it in every game and every rank where every kid now, I shouldn't say every kid, where a number of kids now are all taping their sticks exactly like Connor Bedard. Okay. It is a good guy to pick. It is remarkable the way you're, you're seeing this. Anyhow, that's just, just as an aside. One of the people that I want to throw onto the list of being really influential for young hockey players is UC Saros. And it's one very specific reason. And we're seeing it with goaltenders at minor hockey in Canada, youth hockey in the United States. For the longest time, there was always, yeah, he's a good goalie in minor hockey or youth hockey, but he's too small to play. I don't know that I've given enough concert or attention to how influential UC Saros is. But every time I talk to a parent who has a goaltender who is slight, a goaltender who is small, generally the one player they point to as their inspiration is UC Saros. There's only, what, three goaltenders in the NHL that are under six feet, Elliot. He's at the elite level. Um, you know, he's in there with the, the Vasilevskis of the world and the, and the Shosturkins of the world. Very quietly, because we don't pay attention to Saros enough, I don't think, he may be very quietly one of the most influential players in the NHL when it comes to young kids that are playing hockey in that position. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I still think it's tough. Like, I, I really enjoyed watching that kid, Milich, uh, win the gold medal for Canada. I thought he was a real battler. Yeah. But you know what the knock is on him, Jeff. Too Size. small. Size. Yeah, and I think that prejudice is uh, is a really tough one to overcome. Now, right. happily, Saros has done it. He's a franchise goaltender for the Predators. But really, I, I still think it's, it's going to be more of rather that there can be more like him. Mm-hmm. People are going to say he's going to—he's the exception of the rule until you prove it to me. Yeah, I think that that's—I think that's the way a lot of people are going to look at it. Like, like this Millage kid, I've done a little bit of work on him because I don't know him that well. And basically, what everybody says about him is 
He's a product of a great team. Seattle. And what, what, what I see, yeah, the, the Thunderbirds. But what I really saw there is, you know, he was, he was the guy in that for a great team, Canada, which won the gold. But there were times there in that, in those elimination games where they were really on the ropes. Yep. And he, he made big saves to keep them in. And I, I still think it's, it's a hard thing. But I think if you're smaller and net, mm-hmm. I think now as a skater, if you're smaller, there's more of an understanding that you can play. But I, I don't think that's really changed for goalies. Uh, okay, Edmonton. Uh, they lose last night to the Los Angeles Kings. Another big game for Kevin Fiala. You talk about heating up a pair of goals yesterday uh, for Fiala. We saw the frustration at the end um, where, of all people, and he leads the Oilers in fights this year. Yes, Upoliarvi throws down uh, l- l- last Ooh, night, yeah. you know. So, uh, and by the way, you know how, for the beginning, just as an aside, we've talked about how the St. Louis Blues have been all season long looking for more bites, a player with a little more snarl, a little more edge to his game. Did they not have that in Clem Coston? Because that's exactly what he's providing for the Edmonton Oilers here. Like, I know Evander just, Kane's on his way back. I just wonder if he's a different guy now. Maybe. Costin. Like, remember, he, like, I don't know. Like, I, I just remember when he came in, he dropped the 30th pick of the first round, right? And, oh, that was, uh, do, you, do you remember that? So that was the draft where they had all the, all the, all the players backstage. And yes. we were all waiting. And there was that lonely shot where everybody had been taken. And there's Clem Costin sitting at that table by himself. I was in the room for that. And I was thinking, oh, geez, I really feel bad for this kid right now. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, right. it's uncomfortable, and and I believe St. Louis took him with the pick they traded uh, for Ryan got for Ryan Reeves for Pittsburgh. So I I remember they took him 30th overall, and nobody thought that he should have been going 30th overall. He was a much higher talent than that, mm-hmm. but you know was you know people just weren't sure about him. And uh, I didn't see him a lot, Jeff. You would know this better than I do. But was he that kind of player he back then, or but, or did he morph himself a bit? No, he morphed. He was always a big, strong. But that was the thing. He was a big, strong, skilled guy. I remember uh, going into his draft. You were thinking, okay, whoever gets this kid, you know, they're getting someone who has the potential. And we said the same thing about Timo Meyer in San Jose, and we still do to be one of the next big power forwards in the NHL. Yeah. That's what we thought Clem Costin was going to be. Well, I, I think just like talking about their game about that game last night, you know, the thing that really concerned me was um, just, I don't like to use the word easy because it's never easy, but Jeff, that looked easy for LA last night. You know, it, like even when Edmonton started to come back a little bit, I never thought the King yeah. never like I, I never was in a position last night where after things got going, where I thought the Kings were going to lose that game. And I thought they were in complete control. Mm-hmm. I mean, Copley is an incredible story right now. But, I, I, like, I, I just think the Oilers, like, um, like, the, like the, the penalty kill right now, I think they're at 73%. Um, I think the Kings scored, what, four times on the power play last night? They did, four for seven, um, I believe, and Edmonton was 0 for 6. Yeah, and, like, like you know, like, you know, there was a the, – the, like, you know the thing about McDavid is he he's he's really unbelievable, but you can see his frustration is just mounting. Like there's there's a play at the end of uh, near the end of regulation, they have a late power play, 
and someone tries to give him the puck on an entry, he's not really in a position where he can do much with it. Mm-hmm. And you can see his frustration. And like that's the thing. I, I like I look at them and I just think they're a team that um they need bite. And some of that will come back when Kane mm-hmm. returns. There's yep. there's no question. I think they're hoping it will be on um Hockey Day in Canada weekend, which is next weekend. But I, I think they're going to need something on the blue line. I, I know they really want to give Broberg a shot to see what he's got. Yeah. I know I know they – and I also know that they feel that this isn't a league that's that's willing to make a lot of deals right now because things are so tight. Um, and the other thing, too, is I've said this many times, when you know it gets hot in Edmonton every little while, and Ken Holland, he always tries to – you know, get through that. And, you know, now you've got, you know, people like, I, I'm sure they're saying whatever it takes to make the trade. I, I don't think that's what he wants to do. I don't think he's like a whatever it takes guy. And mm. uh, I, I, I just think he feels that they've got a, like they were going on a stretch there where they were doing better at giving up goals. Their goals against was going down, but they couldn't hold the two nothing lead on Saturday and they gave up six last night. And, I can see the concerns because now, as you said, Nashville is off the mat. Oh, and, yeah. you know, and Colorado is sitting there, and nobody thinks Colorado's missing the playoffs. So if you're the Oilers and you're the Flames, you know, you're looking at this and you're saying, well, with these two teams with game in hand, it's us that are the targets on the back. You know, the the one thing, swinging back to Connor McDavid there, the the one thing, and you never like to see this, you understand the intensity and you understand the frustration, but there were a couple of shifts last night where it seemed like McDavid, like we've seen players have hit shifts before, and I don't think Connor McDavid says, I'm going to go out there for 45 seconds and just hammer as many guys as I can. But as close to Connor McDavid doing that, we saw that last night. Like there were a couple of shifts where he was like, I, I'm frustrated. I need to get this out. I'm going to run guys over here. And when you have Connor McDavid doing that, you say to yourself, I understand the intensity. I understand the frustration as well, but that's not Connor McDavid's game. Give me your thoughts real quick on, uh, on Kevin Fiala, who popped another two last night. You know, we talked a lot about, you know, big names moving. And we think about, you know, Calgary with, with Jonathan Huberto and he's having a, a challenging, uh, challenging season to say the least. And, Here's Kevin Fiala, and we've wondered about the Los Angeles Kings and scoring goals, and lately it's been almost, you know, automatic. Two goals a game for Kevin Fiala. It certainly was last night, and a couple of helpers to boot as well. Well, I, I think his job is really simple. That's just score. You know, I mean, it's, it's easier said than done, mm-hmm. but that's what he's going to be judged on. Um, you know, I, I, I've told the story before, but it's the, it's the great Gary Galley story about Cam Neely. And... Uh, Gary Galley saying when they were in Boston, Neely was going through a slump, and Harry Sinden came down and said, uh, you know, Cam, you're really struggling. You're not scoring. He goes, I know I'm getting great chances. And uh, Harry Sinden said, I don't pay you to get great chances. I pay you to score. And so you're judged on one thing. If you do that role, you're paid that money, and that's production. Mm-hmm. You could be a great two-way player. And in some cases, it's not going to matter. And I think with Fiala, he's going to be judged on – they brought him there and they gave him salary for one reason, to score. Mm-hmm. And so it started a bit slowly, but now he's doing it. He's doing what, you know, they paid him to do. 
So far, so good. Um, coming up on the program, uh, both Kevin Adams is going to s- stop by here, uh, general manager of the Buffalo Sabres, and Ron Francis, general manager of the Seattle Kraken. Both teams in action last night. Buffalo dropping a tough one to the Philadelphia Flyers, 4 nothing there. So the Flyers, you know, back on their winning ways after uh, dropping one on Sunday to the Maple Leafs. The Seattle Kraken, meanwhile, 4 uh, nothing over the Montreal Canadiens. I know it's tough in Montreal. These are the dog days, and the team is really... Starting to take a slide here. Um, do you have a thought on on both these GMs and what they've been able to do with their teams? Ron Francis, second year with the uh, with the Seattle Kraken, and it looks as if you know, we talk about Nashville making a go of it and getting off the mat in the Western Conference. I think a lot of us are crossing our fingers and saying maybe Buffalo is the best chance to actually creating a race in the East, unlike what we saw last season. Well, I, I think that uh, I really like the job that Kevin Adams has done in Buffalo. Um, I really like the job Don Granado has done in Buffalo. He's unleashed some of those players. I think it's going to be interesting to see um, how Buffalo handles the goaltending. I have a feeling they're going to be bringing uh, in up and down, depending on when they need him. Yep. Um, because, you know, when, when Yoko Harju gets healthy, they're going to have a heavy roster. So they're going to have to make a move or they're going to have to keep bouncing him around. And it sounds like they're – like, I wouldn't be surprised if Lukanen – I think Lukanen's playing tonight, actually. So, like, you know, he was sent down yesterday and up today, and I think that's creative. Mm-hmm. I don't have a huge problem with that. But I, I don't think there's any question that the Sabres have breathed new life into their organization. Like, as for the Kraken, um, five on five, they're really good. And I, and I think that's a true tell of how, how good your team is in this league. Um, and, you know, the other thing, too, is I, I, I'm really curious to see what Seattle's going to do at center. They have Beneers, who looks like he's going to be a hell of a player. Yep. You know, they have Wright, who I think is going to be a heck of a player. And But I think they're going to look for a center. And, you know, that's why I mentioned, I don't know if Horvat will end up there, but I could see him being the, the type of player that uh, Seattle would have some interest in. You know what? Another guy I kind of wondered about a little bit for Seattle, just as they're having a rough year this year, is a guy like Sam Reinhart. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I think like you know Ron Francis. You may remember Jeff. He played center. I yeah, think a little he knows bit, yeah. how important how important centers are in this league, mm. and that's why I look at Seattle. If they're going to strike to make themselves better, I, I could see it being a veteran center. You know, that's interesting, although the uh, the one area, and Joe Sackick did this really well. You know, he played the waiver wire well, good with, with trades, etc. Um, and I'm, I'm watching this game last night, and I know you're expecting me to say Daniel Sprong, but I'm not, even though he did score. Tolvanen scored again last night. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. R- another real shrewd, quote-unquote, free player for the Seattle Kraken last night. Well, I think the most amazing thing about that Tolvanen thing is that 22 teams passed off. Shocking, right? Yeah. You know, you know, like when, whenever, you know, whenever I something like that happens, you know, the the first thing I just wonder is what am I not seeing here? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I you know I, I, I've I, I wondered about that, um, and I've thought a lot about that, but you know, you only, I mean. Look, everybody can make – sometimes our first home doesn't work for us and we need a second one. Maybe that's the case here. You know, I, I, I do wonder when it comes to Tolvanen, I wonder how many teams looked at him and just said, 
all he can do is shoot. And all it took was that one team to say, well, that's fine. We can do everything around that as long as we know that when he shoots, the puck goes in the net. Like there was a, you know, going back, this is like early 70s. Uh, I believe it was Ren Blair in a conversation with Scotty Bowman. He said, you know, if you have someone that can score 50 goals, don't try to turn them into a checker. Try to turn that 50 goals into 60 goals. I've always felt like the team, the, the, the best teams, the most successful teams are the ones that take a player's main skill set and make it even better. And that Ren Blair, Scotty Bowman conversation always, always stuck with me. If you have someone that can score 50, you know, put them in a position where they can score 60. Don't try to turn them into something that they're not. I wonder if that's part of the thinking here with Tolvanen. You know, I think there's probably some of both. I think, like, the thing about Sprong is, you know, one of the things I've heard about him was that everybody knows he's a talented guy, but he wouldn't play any defense, the teams felt. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I think what Sprong was told was, like, Sprong went this year on a PTO, right? Like, yeah. he, that's the way he started. And sometimes you need to be scared out of your mind. Um, I think in this room, in this league, this room for offensive players, but you have to meet teams halfway. I just think in this day and age, um, you, you have to be able to play offense and you have to be able to play some level of defense. Like you have to be able to know where you're supposed to be or what the responsibilities are. Like you can't just not do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Sprong has realized that. But I also think, and, and I think there's an understanding too that there are some players who are made to play 20 minutes there's some players who might be made to play 10 and being 10 minutes player in the NHL is not a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. You're still in the NHL, yeah. but it's an understanding of what your role is. And I think in, in Sprong's case, and to be honest, I haven't watched Toyman as much since he got there. Um, but you know, Sprong's case, he's, he's a 10 to 12 minute guy. Yep. And it seems to be the perfect role for him. Uh, it really does. And he's been really productive. And we talk about, you know, uh, points, Per dollar, and he's in the top five uh, in the yeah, NHL. You've got a real, uh, you really love that right now. I, I do love it, but it, it's good. Number one is going to change next year, but right now it's Tage Thompson because he's still on a deal that pays him $1.4 million. Uh, that is going to change significantly uh, next season. We're going to talk to his general manager. I'm beginning manager. to think, Merrick, that yeah. uh, Daniel Sprong's parents don't love him even as much as you do. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what. Seattle is a is a fascinating team. And when he moved from Amsterdam, it was him and his dad. I think it was might have just been his dad. I think when he was like seven or eight years old. Like, it doesn't surprise me that he went off on Montreal yesterday because that's where they moved to. They went from Amsterdam to Montreal, and then Dad have him pl- had him playing with a number of different tournament teams, and he played on squads all over North America. I think as a kid he played Wilkes-Barre as well. Uh, Montreal was the home base, and it wasn't until he got to Charlottetown, the Islanders of the QMJHL, that he actually played on the same team for two seasons in a row. That was the first time because it was just elite team, elite team, elite team, elite team. But the home base was always Montreal, so no surprise that he went into Montreal yesterday and scored a big goal. Uh, okay, uh, you can be done with me for the day. You've spent all morning with me and now part of the afternoon, so you're done with me now. Yay! You win. See you, Fridge. Kevin Adams coming up in a moment here. Uh, keep it here. Merrick Show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, don't forget Ron Francis, GM of the Seattle Kraken, coming up as well. But Kevin Adams, the architect of these Sabres that a lot of us have really fallen in love with, dynamic players at every single position, and maybe the only question we ask now about the Buffalo Sabres is... 
can they actually do this? Despite the blip on the radar last night against the Philadelphia Flyers, the answer seems to be at least maybe. We'll talk to Kevin Adams here in a couple of moments, GM of the Buffalo Sabres. Merrick show continues across the Sportsnet radio network, simulcast on Sportsnet Now and Sportsnet 360.